Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Rachel Jones. And I'm Justin Robertson. Tonight's featured guest is Liz Barlett. Liz is a doctoral student at IU School of Public Health and will be discussing bisexuality in the context of parenting as well as many other LGBTQ issues. But first, we'd like to begin our show tonight by introducing our new co-host, Melanie Davis. Um, we will have another surprise. We have another surprise appearance tonight. The one and only fabulous Rachel Jones. Um, she's been traveling the highways and it's good to have both of you here. And Rachel, we'll start with you. Sure. Where have you been? Timbuktu. <laughs> That's what I heard. Um, I've, been, I've been traveling a lot for work, but I've been traveling a lot for pleasure, too, on my motorcycle. Um, oh, the Carolinas, wow. Florida, Nashville, Tennessee. All on your motorcycle? I didn't. You know what? I took my bike to Florida a couple of years ago. I drove okay. this time. Okay. And, okay. and I'm glad Still because fun. it rained. Right, right. <laughs> but the others were on my bike, yes. Wow. Mm. That is so cool. So just adventures seeing people life's an amazing journey yeah right. just looking around yeah, any like favorites um all of them you know what Asheville is amazing Nashville mm. is amazing uh, and of course Florida is amazing too right uh, not that Bloomington's right. amazing as well you guys. <laughs> always good to come home yeah yeah so you, how long have you been home God, I, I come and go a lot, so okay. I've been home a few days, and okay. I leave. I go to Indy tomorrow, and then I go to Milwaukee for work. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah. The traveling. Uh, and how about you, Melody? Oh, well, summer's over, and uh, so I'm just getting back into the whole school and, and parenting a uh, uh, school-aged child thing uh, right now. I'm uh, also transitioning back into work at Wonder Lab uh-huh. uh, part-time, and... Uh, and now this. And so. now this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So great. We're so happy that we have you aboard and, and going to be yes. working with us. So Thank you. You'll, I'm excited to be here. Well, good. You better be excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, how about you take it away with uh, this week's LGBTQ news? All right. Thank you, Frankie. A judge who blocked name changes for transgender teenagers is facing a lawsuit. Judge Joseph Kirby the probate and juvenile court judge in Warren County, Ohio, is alleged to have denied legal name changes to at least three transgender teens. He denied 15-year-old Elliot Whittaker a legal name change at Warren County Juvenile Court in June, telling the teen to come back when he was 18. State law does not require people to be 18 to secure a legal change of name which is separate from legal gender recognition. But the judge ruled that the teen lacked the maturity, knowledge, and stability to make such a decision. 
Transcripts from the hearing show a bizarre line of questioning as the judge interrogated Whittaker about his bathroom choice, repeatedly referred to trans people using the wrong pronouns, and appeared to suggest Caitlyn Jenner was making kids transgender. The judge had rhetorically asked if all of this had started when all of this stuff came out in the media referring to Jenner. Two other teens, a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, were also denied name changes by the same judge with identical orders. In all three cases, the teens had been receiving therapy and treatment for gender dysphoria, and doctors had supported their legal change of name. The families of the three teens this week filed a joint suit against Kirby in the United States District Court for the Southern District of Ohio. The suit, filed by Joseph Langdon, LLC, and Engel and Martin, LLC, alleges, alleges the judge's actions amount to unconstitutional discrimination against the teens, claiming he treated transgender adolescents unfavorably because of their gender identity. Attorney, attorney Josh Langdon said denying transgender children the ability to legally change their names until age 18 can lead to significant and irreparable harm and increases their risk of being outed and bullied, having violence perpetuated against them, having depressive symptoms, and attempting suicide. The judge failed to consider the evidence presented by the families and doctors that the name change is in the best interest of the teenager and instead substituted his own skeptical views. The suit states, plaintiffs have been treated by the defendant differently from others similarly situated without a rational basis for doing so. Judge Kirby violated the Equal Protection Clause's prohibition against sex-based discrimination when the judge treated transgender adolescents unfavorably because of their gender identity. Judge Kirby has discriminated against the plaintiffs in violation of the equal protection guarantees of the 14th Amendment on the basis of sex and transgender status by depriving transgender adolescents the ability to change their name. Non-transgender adolescents are not deprived of this ability to change their name. Defendants' actions deny transgender people, including plaintiffs, access to legal documents and the ability to legally change their names. Defendants' refusal to allow transgender children to change their legal names erects a barrier to the full recognition, participation, and inclusion of transgender people in society and subjects them to discrimination, pri privacy invasions, harassment, humiliation, stigma, harm to their health, and even violence. Judge Kirby was not available for comment. Caitlyn Jenner previously slammed the official for invoking her in the decision. She said, it has come to my attention that a judge in Ohio thinks I'm brainwashing kids into being trans. For me, being trans has been a great gift. It's been the most profound growing experience of my life. But we're in the thick of some very difficult, scary, and dangerous times in our community, especially trans people of color. Why anyone would choose to embark upon a trans journey if they don't really feel that way is beyond me. My coming out publicly wasn't to brainwash people. It was to let the mainstream world know we exist, we're here, and it isn't a mental illness. I send a message to Elliot in Ohio. Your identity is real, and we are behind you 100% to build a safer world. Wow. So 
what are our thoughts on this one? Good. Go get them. Go get them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know if it's like, uh, you know, they can ask for another judge at this point, but I think it's the principle of trying to, you know, make this public and what this right. means. And, you know, and I think people that aren't educated, you know, don't understand the importance, you know, to have your identity. How do we educate? Because I think the judge believed the things he was saying, right? And mm-hmm. he's completely wrong, right? So, so how do you well, bring somebody up to speed? You're right. Um, he was presented evidence. He had professionals, doctors, and psychologists. Um, he he was given all the information just because of his bigotry, and that's what it comes down to: of not being able to look past his own issues that, you know, these children are are the ones that are, you know, paying the consequences for his ignorance. So I don't know how you educate someone that's uneducatable. Is that a word? (laughs) Uneducatable. I don't know that he's... In, ineducable? I don't know. Um, and, hey, that was and, very good. Maybe we should do this. Uh, I, I, I don't know that he is. I, maybe he's just never been presented with the opportunity. And uh, it, clearly some of these statements are uh, uh, biases that people would toss out right. you know, 20 years ago. For a long time. Yeah. Right. And and it was just, you know, well, that was the, the common sense sort of thing to say. But it, it's it's been for a long time. Uh, evolving, and it looks like he just hasn't gotten out of the courtroom in, right. in quite a while, or just hasn't hadn't done his due diligence of of himself of studying up on this. Right. Um, but I, again, you can't you know educate someone that refuses to be educated, and that's true. where you know again he's presented evidence on it, and it's about his own bias. So it's not a point of educating somebody because that's what you know their attorneys were doing at that point when when i had my name change mm-hmm. and gender marker change uh it, they ended up being separate because of uh, a snafu in the paperwork so i went in to get uh, a file an amendment to get my uh, gender marker changed and the um uh the court said well you know we don't do that <laughs> i said oh dude, you do this is in indianapolis <laughs> and, and I, I said you absolutely do i can get you you know m- many examples so we don't do that and i was told this three or four times so i went in and uh, actually, I had uh, my daughter with me, and she was just a wee one. And I said, you know, I'm here for this. This is the these. This is the paperwork. I've got everything in order. Can I please do this? And she, uh, the the court bailiff, started to give me some runaround about this. The the judges uh, in the judges' chambers, and I said, well, really. You know, I can't express how much this needs to happen. And then uh, actually my daughter said, Mommy, can we go now? I'm bored. And she, the the bailiff looked at my daughter and looked at me and looked at my daughter. And um, the bailiff is is able to to sign for the judge on such matters and opened up the drawer and pulled out the judge's stamp and signed it over. What she saw, the change that I saw in her eyes was she recognized humanity. She recognized That's not beautiful. this isn't uh yeah. And it was. And I I you know, I almost cried right there because you know, I could see the change in that person. And and um they had been very I'd spoken with them a number of times mm-hmm. and they were so against it. And for that one moment and now she's changed forever. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, I think it can happen. It just requires contact. Right. You mm-hmm. know? Humanization. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. 
I believe it, but I, I think, you know, and that's a beautiful story, and it would be awesome if that would be the same situation all around. Right. Um, and, you know, it's not to say that this this isn't, this guy doesn't have the potential to change, um, but I think you just run through so much bias with people having their own beliefs on how things should be. And when you're up against something like that, um, and, and, and again, and you give them evidence and you try to explain to them. I mean, this was, a, a, I think, a very unique story. And, and, and right. how you conducted yeah. it as well is that because I don't think I would have been as calm. <laughs> I think I but that calmness <laughs> yeah. is what created the change. Right. I mean, excellent. That's oh, beautiful. it was a storm inside. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. So. Melanie, I think we have some more news. We do. The IRS recognizes a lesbian women's church, but is it a sneaky attack on trans rights? Transgender exclusionary radical feminists, TERFs for short, have formed a church, and the federal government has recognized it as a tax-exempt religious entity. The group's main doctrine is a thinly-veiled attack on transgender people. Forbes reports that the Trump administration gave the thumbs-up to the Church of Modern Witchcraft, with Attorney General Jeff Sessions' militant advocacy for religious freedom laws and regulations to protect religious hate groups, is it any wonder that the administration rubber-stamped this group? We come together to form a congregation of adherence to our female-born, lesbian, feminist-based religions, beliefs, and traditions, the group writes on their website. At Pussy Church, we serve women and girls and our emotional and spiritual needs. We cannot serve these needs in the presence of men as men as class are the cause of the harm that women experience globally. Males are not permitted to participate regardless of how they identify. We expressly reject the concepts of gender identity, transgenderism, and gender as being meaningful to defining what a woman or girl is. Uh, TERFs and transgender people, that was a quote. TERFs and tra transgender people, particularly transgender women, have a long history of interesting warfare. The radical feminists have previously aligned themselves with religious right when it comes to transgender people. They tend to support laws that exclude trans people from the proper bathroom and sex-segregated facilities that blatantly advocate against, and blatantly advocate against trans civil rights using language eerily reminiscent of the fringes of religious conservatives' horror stories about LGBTQ people. Forbes notes that a cynical bastard might think that this enterprise is a clever way to end run and run around existing proposed anti-discrimination laws. Because religious liberty trumps those sorts of things with the Supreme Court recently confirmed in Masterpiece Cave Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission. The outlet reports that representatives of the church refuse to neither confirm nor deny challenging uh, trans civil rights laws as the motivation for the group's establishment. Several large anti-LGBTQ groups uh, indicate, indicated or dedicated to undoing civil rights laws have recently reclassified themselves as churches rather than non-for-profits to hide the names of donors. The identity of church members, donors, uh, nor leaders are dis disclosed on the church website. Kathy Brennan, a notorious lesbian lawyer heavily involved in the turf attacks, disguised as lesbian rights movement, is believed to be behind the effort. Brennan has previously carry carried water for the religious right in her quest to demean transgender people. The group says part of their scripture includes Audre Lorde's book, Sister Outsider, which is ironic since Lorde de decried the notion behind the church, 
Lord was a queer African-American civil rights activist, poet, and feminist who shook up the movements with which she was involved by promoting the concept of intersectionality well before the term was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989. As a black, quote, as a black lesbian feminist socialist, mother of two, including one boy, and a member of, member of an interracial couple, I usually find myself part of some group in which, my, in which the majority defines me as deviant, inferior, or just plain wrong, she wrote in an essay titled, There Is No Hierarchy of Oppressions. From my membership in all these groups, I have learned that, that oppression and intolerance of difference come in all shapes and sizes and, and colors and sexualities, and that among those of us who share the goals of liberation and a workable future for our children, there can be no hierarchies of oppression. I have learned that sexism, a belief in the inherent superiority of one sex over all others, and thereby is rights, a right to dominance, and heterosexism, a belief, that, a belief in the inherent superiority of one pattern of loving over all others, and thereby its right to dominance, both arise from the same source as racism, a belief in the inherent superiority of one race over all others, and thereby its right to dominance. So, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Speechless. Yeah, My God, right. you guys. I think these people are pawns, and it will all, all the rhetoric they're using will be turned against them. Um, Why don't you think they can put, cannot put two and two together on what this equals? Hate blinds you, I guess. And, and how can there be so much hate? I mean, live and help live. I mean, how, how can there be so much hate and so hyper-focused on transgender? Right. Mm-hmm. I why? Mean, why, is it, I, why is it so scary for so many people? I mean, what about a person being transgender is, is you know scares i mean that's what it comes down to it's about fear oh right and, and they are very supportive of transgender bathroom laws um i was reading some of the material earlier they were largely responsible for health care and non non medical rights for transgender yes um uh, how can that even be allowed? I mean, this is frightening, you guys. So how do you educate these people? So I actually, back in the MySpace days, had uh, many discussions with uh, with this Catherine Brennan person. Uh, she uh, was just starting off. We were both young. and uh, It was really uh, frustrating because... I believe they're coming from a, a deep place of hurt, and and men are their focus, and it really t- comes down to uh, anybody who was who is male in their view, which is anybody who is uh, born male, and they do not believe absolutely do not believe in in gender identity at all. It is based purely on either chromosomes or or physical sex and uh and anybody with a penis is an oppressor and is a danger and by trying to be included in women's spaces somehow we are 
destroying the idea of women and destroying women's spaces. We are, uh, the oppressors come to colonize. We are taking over the spaces and we are destroying the safety of women. That is the thought. Uh, so does this group have, I, I didn't see anything, I didn't do any further research on this, but how big is their group? I mean, is this something, you know, are we talking a few hundred? Is there thousands? Are they kind of all over? All over the world. There are thousands, but not overwhelming right. majorities. There was the incident in London where uh, a group of TERFs came in, brought their banner, and took the front of the, the Pride Parade and led it. And there was a lot of backlash against that. Femi- most feminist groups do not recognize this as feminist behavior. Mm-hmm. It's very outsider, but the people are very vocal. Yeah, it's, yeah, I would have to. Um, do not touch that dial. We're going to take a few minutes to enjoy some music from our featured artist this week, Birds of Chicago. We're ready to go. been listening to Never Go Back by Birds of Chicago. Okay, we have a segment now on by youth. By youth are more likely to stay in the closet in a recent survey of LGBT people. Researchers discovered that bisexual men followed by bisexual women are the least likely to come out. Triple J, a youth-focused 
Brand and the Australian Broadcasting Corporation conducted a What's Up in Your World survey focused on 11,000 Australians aged 18 to 29. Women beat men overall in coming out, with 86% of lesbian women coming out versus 83% of men. Amongst bisexuals, however, those numbers from 48% to 40% respectively. One study participant identified only as Sam is amongst the 60% of bisexual men who hasn't come out. In the media, bisexuality is portrayed in women as quite a cool thing. But I think for men, it distracts from their masculinity, Sam told Triple J Hack. I think that if you're a guy who is interested in other guys, that somehow makes you less of your gender. It's really stupid when you start to fathom it, he continued. Julia Taylor of the Australian Research Center in Sex, Health, and Society has a theory of her own. If, a gay and les- if gay and lesbian people come out and things don't go so well for them, they do have a big vocal community to find support, and that's something bisexual people don't have, said Taylor. Approximately 47% of young TLGPQ people have not come out at all, while young women are twice as likely as young men to identify as TLGBTQ. The study also covered a lot of the non-LGBTQ-focused issues, finding that participants were also hardworking, drinking less, and worried about the future of the planet. Well, Liz, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Before we get going on, on, on your part of the interview, I thought this would be an interesting topic that you might uh, be able to kind of share a little insight on this one. Yeah, well, one of the things that the article doesn't really talk about is that bisexual folks face discrimination from within the community as well. Um, So a lot of the um, bisexual youth I have worked with specifically will say, well, when I'm in LGBTQ plus spaces, I'm not accepted or they'll tell me to leave because maybe I come with a partner who appears to be a different gender than I am and suddenly I'm not welcome. Um, a lot of the research I have done on bisexuality, people will say, well, it's actually just L and G. They, the B and the T tend to be really silent in most communities. Um, and you see that at Pride, you see that um, and even still a lot of the organizations, right, like PFLAG, um, you see it so many times over and over and over again that the B and the T tend to be really silent. So it's not just discrimination coming from outside, but it's also discrimination coming from inside the community. Right, and I think there's just so much misunderstanding. It's kind of crazy to think in today's age and that, that there is. Uh, people, yeah. it was like, uh, with you know, what people would say, uh, by gay first, by later. I mean, mm-hmm. that was you know I, I heard it all the time, and when I was was younger, and you know you would think now as you know that we've made so much progress at least you know with people understanding. I think it's fear, Frankie. I think if they acknowledge bisexuality, then somehow their validity at being gay or lesbian is is no longer there and. Come on, let people be who they are. Jeepers. <laughs> but maybe that's the same with heterosexuals. You know, do you think that their validity is threatened by gay people or bisexuals as well? Uh, their validity or their or choices they've their made choices, so far. Yeah. I mean, I think there are, there are people The validity are, of their choices. Yeah. <laughs> some people are straight gay or lesbian, and some people are straight straight, and some people are both. 
And I don't know how any of that intersectionality negatively affects anybody else. Well, I think sometimes people just can understand. I can understand what straight is and I can understand what a lesbian is and I can understand what gay is. But I don't understand how can you... Love then, a person instead of a gender? Yeah, right. by, by loving a person instead of a gender. Right, right. It's pretty easy. Right. <laughs> but apparently it's not. <laughs> <laughs> or not easy to accept. <laughs> or easy to accept. Right. You know, it's, it's you know... Um, it's, when I hear my kids talk, I mean, they're, you know, I think it's, it's still you hear about a lot of the girls being bisexual. I mean, it can't be that. I mean, all the girls, none of the boys are bisexual. You know, it's like, but it was, it's kind of cool. <laughs> like the article. It's right. cool, right? Right, right. And so, I don't know. Well, this goes, well, we have tonight's <laughs> guest, Lizzie Bartelt. Um, Lizzie is a doctoral student at IU School of Public Health. Her research includes LGBTQ plus populations with a focus on sexual and reproductive health and bisexuality. Before returning to graduate school, Lizzie spent five years working at Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky, teaching sexuality education and leading a bi, poly, pan support group at IYG, which is Indiana Youth Group. She also did a collaborative research evaluation project with PRISM Youth Group. She's giving a TEDx Bloomington talk later this month on August 24th on LGBTQ plus experiences with sexual and reproductive health. Welcome, Lizzie. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us tonight. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, we're happy you're here. Yeah, very happy <laughs> that you're here. And this is, I'm uh, very excited about your TEDx talk, too, mm-hmm. which is just. We, we, we've got the date, we need a place and a time. Oh, yeah. Buzzkirk Chumley, um, <laughs> 6 30 p.m. Cool. Start great. And when is it? August 24th. August 24th. That's uh, good. Friday, Friday night. Yep. Right. Yep. Is that free? Uh, no, no, there is a cost, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> unfortunately. Well, that's um. fine. <laughs> that's fine. I know you now, so I'll get calm. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Just say my I name didn't say that live that's on fine. the radio. Or anything. <laughs> it would be awkward for either one of us. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm with Japan>. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get um, going with the interview, um, we're going to take a few minutes to enjoy some more music, and um, then we'll be back. <laughs>
you've been listening to Roll Away by Birds of Chicago from their uh, album Love and More Time. We're going to take a look at the community calendar real quick before we go back to Blooming Out. Um, see here, we have the Players Pub Spoken Word series at the Players Pub, which is on 424 South Walnut Street, August 9th at 6 p.m., um, this is a, this is from 6 to 9 p.m. It is featuring an opening mic as well as some different artists, um, that's going to be on August 9th. And then on the 13th of August, we have the LGBTQ Senior Social at Cheddar's Restaurant, and that's at 126 South Franklin Road. All right, we're going to throw it back over to Blooming Out. Okay, and now back to our, our conversation with Lizzie Bartlett. Yes. <laughs> You're on air. Um, so, Liz, so tell us a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll kind of get into kind of the meat of everything. Sure. So I grew up in a little bitty teeny tiny town in northwestern Illinois that no one has ever heard of called Polo. Um, and when I say small, I mean I graduated with 54 people oh, and no that kidding. was polling from more than one <laughs> right, town. Right, so right. small. Um, I uh, came to Indiana for college. I went to DePaul, not DePaul. Um, people on the air can't see that. Yeah. Uh, DePaul with a W. Um, not DePaul in Chicago. Uh, and then just kind of never left Indiana. Um, and I, uh, didn't come out until myself as bisexual until later in life, um, until after college. Um, and when I did so, it was, um, around the same time that I started working at Planned Parenthood. And so my, um, poor conservative family that has five pastors in it was very oh. overwhelmed. Um, but for everyone else in my life, they were like, cool. Um, so that was it's kind of how I got to be here. So how long ago was that? I don't know. More than a decade ago okay, now. Okay, so a little bit. Yeah. How, how, how is your family with it now? Right. Do they accept you as you are? Most of them. Yeah? Most the, of the them. The ones that matter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So how did you get into... So why don't you explain a little bit about your research and mm. what you do? Um, and the you know, we'll go from there. So, yeah. So, um, I like to kind of start my journey at Planned Parenthood. So I did community sex, sexual health education for five years. Um, I like to say that I, you can't surprise me about anything you talk about within that realm. Um, and when I came back to grad school, because I started to see an academic glass ceiling, not a gender glass ceiling, um, I made a beeline for the Center for Sexual Health Promotion and was like, what can I do? And they were like, ooh, we have this project on bisexuality. And I was like, let me help, let me help. (laughs) Um, And they did. Um, So I started working on this project on bisexual parenthood or um, parents who also were bisexual. And we conducted interviews um, with people throughout the United States and uh, asked them about their experiences being bisexual parents because there had been a lot of work on heterosexual parents. There had been a lot Mm -hmm. of work on gay and lesbian parents, Mm -hmm. but only incidental work on bisexual parents. Um, 
So after that project finished, uh, my advisor was just like, oh, here, let me give you some more work. And it kind of has spiraled into that. And so now as I'm in um, the second year of my doctoral program, I'm starting my own work and uh, really focusing in on sexual and reproductive health um, that has been kind of following me throughout. It's such interesting work. And I um, read your article. It was really informative. And um, I I don't know why, but I was a little bit surprised to learn that of the LGBTQ community, that bisexual parents are in the majority yeah. in terms of being parents. Yeah. So I learned a lot from that article, but yet they're the least studied. Right. Correct? Right. So think back... Um, about a decade or so ago when we first were starting to get states to approve same-sex marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Massachusetts being the first in 2003. And when that started to happen, people were like, okay, well, we can have marriage, but can we allow them to parent, right? Mm-hmm. And that started right. to be a big national discussion. So researchers were like, oh, well, let's prove that this is okay, right? And so, like, let's get some evidence and let's find out what that looks like. Um, So, of course, the focus was on gay and lesbian parenting and not on bisexual parenting at that time Um, because that story needed to be told. And that's not wrong. Right. But Mm -hmm. now that we have that story told, we can start to expand on that and look at more um, more of the groups within or more of the subgroups within the LGBT community. And when I was reading the article as well, you know, talking about their stories about coming out and you know, filing, being able to speak to the children about it and how freeing and, and it just kind of resonated the same with myself, you know, in the sense that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all pretty much the same. Um, but we, uh, you know, we, we find so many ways to divide it and, you know, put everybody in these little subs where, you know, you know, the gays are normal than the bi's or vice versa or whatever it is, or, you know, one has a sadder story than the next one. And, you know, there's a, a lot of complications that go along with both, but, you know, that's, you know, the, just, you know, I thought that was interesting that, you know, we, we all share pretty much. And, and, and why didn't I figure that out before I had to read your article to kind of look, <laughs> <laughs> to, to look at it. But Well, and that's kind of the point, right? right? A lot of our reviewers, when they were reading the article, were like, but you didn't say anything all that startling. Right. You're like, yeah, but that in and of itself is startling, mm-hmm. right? Because right. we haven't heard this story, so we don't know anything about it. So how do you see this research being used? Mm. Well, in a perfect world, um, it would create more parenting resources specific to all members within the LGBTQ plus community. Everything from... Um, how to come out to your child that isn't just the gay or lesbian story um, to picture books that include um, characters who love other people, right? And um, a lot of our participants would say, well, when I was reading this story about these birds, I just changed their gender because my child didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so now my child goes to school and they get in trouble from the teacher because they just change up genders of characters all the time and they have no idea, (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, And so like, imagine this world where people are more open and understanding, right? That aren't worried so much about like, oh, well, we have to label you specifically, or even if we do label you, like, oh, you're different or you're wrong, but rather we have more inclusion and more comprehensive resources and more equitable resources geared for people where they are. Right, right. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead, no. I was wondering, uh, part of 
this that struck me was I, I actually have a lot of friends who are recently coming out as bi, and we're in our you know late thirties and or I'm in my early forties, but in that age group, and all of a sudden it's becoming something that they feel that they need to uh, express and and to share with their children, and I was uh, happy to see that that is something that's that's coming more and more into the fore and that. Um, they're having discussions about when to come out to your children as bi, and and the taking away of the the bi erasure that happens when you're parenting and you may fall into the the heterosexual looking uh, you know parenting groups, but deep down inside you know there's a difference. And I'm thinking about the next generation and their comfort levels in coming out you know and if if you know they know adults who are bi that helps them to feel better so i i don't have a good handle on the generation coming up and 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 this fits right in with it because growing i'm older growing up very binary right i I either want to be masculine Mm -hmm. or feminine there's so many non-binary identifying people now how does this fit it is being non-binary and bi okay or is it still being non-binary you have to label yourself to be safe in the community it sounds like with kids still gay or lesbian it depends um, a little bit on what the community that that young person is in. Um, so there's some regional variation in how inclusive or accepting groups are. How about here? Um, here in Bloomington, it depends which GSA or um, group they're going to. Are they going to PRISM? Are they going to the GSA at their high school? Um, do they have parents or caregivers or anyone in their life who is in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, All of that matters and how they're understanding it. Um, A lot of LGBTQ plus youth are identifying somewhere in the bisexual spectrum. Wow. Um, Or the multi-sexual spectrum or the non-monosexual spectrum or not being attracted to solely one gender. Um, This is far more common. And what that leads me to believe is it's probably always been more common, but the mythos Mm -hmm. of the bad bisexual or the bisexual who was spreading HIV or who was just out there having sex with everyone or was the party person or whatever is such a stigma for people to come over, um, which... I think probably meant some people were identifying a different way. And I think we still see that in the story with the bisexual youth of less men identifying as bisexual than women. Why? Because there's more of a stereotype and stigma, particularly when you think about HIV and other STI spreading. Right. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, I was just kind of like going back in my own personal history and remember the one by guy I knew at school and he was good looking and he was a bad boy and he you know played the field and did his thing and it was just but he that was it that's all I just knew one the the girls back then um and we're talking the mid 80s but if he was straight he would have been a hero Uh, to be that guy he would have been a hero if he was but he played it pretty well I mean he was kind of that James Dean kind of character but you know no one ever he didn't ever say I was bi, but people knew. 
and uh-huh. he didn't necessarily always hide it. But it's just interesting that, you know, and then, you know, fast forward this to now, um, to, to what that means and what conversations we're having. And I think, you know, when you have conversations with people, you know, at least my the people that are in, in not necessarily just in my circle, but just conversations where, you know, people don't necessarily always just lean one way or another. When, when you really come down to it and you talk to folks, you know, I think it's just something that that's, might be there more than than society wants to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, and it's just, I guess, just breaking those, um, I don't know, norms of it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what hopefully, you know, the research starts and people start having conversations. But when we have, you know, these crazy churches. The and, pushback is amazing, right? right? What, right. Where's the pendulum going to stop? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Right, so it's... There's a lot of prejudice against bisexual people, it seems, um, within our own community, right. I think. You know, a lot of people, as, when I was reading all this stuff, uh, you know, it's just a phase or you're just, you know, yeah. uh, very promiscuous <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even in our own community, uh, people don't always believe somebody's bisexual. They don't want them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. don't fit in the club. Mm-hmm. Why is right. that? I wonder about indigenous people. Let's take Christianity and modern society out of, is there any study? I I know Native American transgendered. I would have been okay. Mm -hmm. How about bisexuality before it, is there a time that it was not stigmatized and was it just, I guess, yeah, Alexander the Great. That that Mm -hmm. time it was, it was a common thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and even look at stories from the Greeks, right? Like the ancient Greek Zeus had sexual relationships with multiple genders, right? Um, And we can argue about the ethicalness and the morality of that at a different point. But um, you see these stories throughout history. It's not that this is a new thing. It's just that people haven't always seen, um, just like you were saying, Melanie, the erasure. It's a very real thing that happens because most people still are monogamous in our culture. So if you only see someone with one person it's really easy to assume, oh, you must be straight or, oh, you must be gay or, oh, Mm -hmm. you must be lesbian, right? Because you don't see what's in somebody's head. You don't see that attraction. You don't see how they understand the world. So, of course, you must think like, oh, if I see somebody who looks like two women together holding hands and kissing, well, they must be lesbian, right? right? Right. Um, It's just the assumption that we tend to have. Well, it's interesting. Then you talk about relationships and, you know, talking just to folks about, you know, being involved with a bisexual person and said, well, if I'm, you know, with somebody that um, is attracted to maybe another gay person and, and, you know, and it's another male, but they like women as well because they're bisexual, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard people say, well, then I can't compete, meaning that if they fall in love with a woman, what do I bring to the table to, to win them back? And it sounds kind of childish and silly, but we're all very childish and silly when it comes to love. <laughs> um, and, and you, you know, when people think about those things, it's like, you know, if I have another gay man there, I can at least, you know, I, I know what I need to get, get the job done. <laughs> um, <laughs> if it's a female, then, then it, it's, it's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've heard, you know, people, I'd have difficulty being in a relationship just because of, I guess, their own insecurities. But if they're That's loving the person, you're right. not well, the gender, it's... yeah. And, but I, I think a lot of a lot of the thought around that centers around sex, right? You know, of I course. know what to right. do. Right. Uh, and now you have the uh, the the rise of the gold star, 
right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and explain what the gold star gold is. Gold star is uh, somebody who hasn't not had uh, a gold star lesbian is a woman who has never had sex with a man. Right. And so, um, and and there's this mythos built up around that, and so therefore that that's part of this. And that's whole a gold star. Demonizing right. of mm -hmm. bisexuality, you know, right. it's like oh, uh, oh, you, and, and that's you a new, have touched. Right. And yeah. that's a new term, and and I've uh, I've only I learned about it through my younger friends. You know that they're you know proudly you know expressing what their star is, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had no clue that there, there there was a gold star, but um, and it's something that people are proud about, which I own it, okay. But in the sense, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in the sense, it's um, you know it, when, when it, you know as far as within the community, you know if you're putting a certain you know sexuality on a pedestal versus the other, you know, yeah. And, you know, it's not, oh, you're, yeah, you've messed around or whatever. Well, and it erases the whole relationship part of it, right? Right. It's like everything is just sex. Right. Instead of, like... It's not. No, we're it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell Frankie <laughs> this. <laughs> we're, not, we're not ready for this. <laughs> Maybe I have it wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Um, no. But, but no, no, I mean... Sorry, kids. Sorry, you didn't have to have that vision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, my child's probably going to hear this, too. Uh, anyway, but... Yeah, that that kind of oversimplification of the whole thing on on you know the 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 people who are against LGBT people, it's all about sex, and then within the community, well, it's all about sex, right? And that, but that's what it's kind of, but that's where when, on on the political side, that's what it's about. You know, mm -hmm. that's what they make it about is yeah. the sex. They don't get past that percentage. I mean, I remember coming out and why I didn't want to tell my mother I was gay is because I didn't want her to have that vision. You know, and that's what, like a, a percentage of your life, you know, right. is is the sex side. Hopefully you're doing a lot of other things, pop, you know, than just having sex. <laughs> you're but dispelling the whole myth. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I let one of the trade secrets out. I'm going to lose my card, my gay card. <laughs> but then again, I mean, like, you know, it, what are you doing imagining about somebody's sex life anyway? I mean, <laughs> right, like, right. especially like mom, I don't want my mom ever considering <laughs> anything about that. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. So, um, so along with, so I guess having those conversations and I guess it's just the, the education and they have, and, and these conversations don't happen, I, I think as much as they probably should. You know, among right. society, That's about true. you talk about gay and lesbian, transgender, even though you know there's still discussions about it, but you don't hear a much as much about it as you know. We should be able to break the barriers down. There are so many divisions in the LGBT community that don't need to be there. If we can't get over this ourselves, how can you expect society to? I mean. Mm -hmm come to grips people can like whoever they like right. it, i mean it's nobody's business and it doesn't threaten anybody but what are people what are people what's the threat i guess is the bottom line is what it delegitimizes their gayness or their lesbianness i think or maybe it takes away from their pool but really maybe it adds to it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well from the <laughs> bi person's perspective you know why the the issues behind coming out are are many, you know, if they are, I hate to use the term invisible, mm -hmm. as heterosexual, a uh, heterosexual couple, you know, that, that is a comfort zone that they can, um, you know, fall into. But, but is it though? 
is it better to pass and be completely invisible even to your own community that should be there to support you? Is it better to be invisible and not be seen by anyone? Right? Like, I know that's not what you were saying, but like, I think about that a lot and have had that debate with many people. If it supports you, though, it's not supporting. Right. Right. Exactly. So that invisibility and like a lot of people will say, well, you have bisexual, heterosexual privilege, whatever that word or language is that they use. But do you like, you know, like how is it privileged to never be seen as you are, to never feel like you are part of the community? After the Pulse shooting, one of my best friends said to me, well, I'm not I'm I'm not actually bisexual enough to feel upset about this. And I was like, what are you talking about? Right. One of the people we had in the bisexual parent study asked me before, like we could do the interview. She was almost in tears and said, I didn't know if I could accept this interview request because I've never had sex with a woman. And I said, well, that doesn't matter. I said, are you bisexual? And she said, well, I think so, but I'm not sure that I know what it means. Right. Right. So like if we even as people who identify this way can't define it, Hmm. where's the privilege? Right. Right. And that that does a disservice to everybody who's non what's what's the term non monosexual Monosexual. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because I want to be more inclusive there too. There's there's so much more to it than just bi, but yeah, um, it's a disservice to yourself. It's it's a denial of self when when you can hide in that way. And and I hate to say can hide. That sounds so like. You know, oh, you have the privilege, yeah. but it's um, when you are maybe forced to hide because you don't feel that you are safe enough to come out uh, in your community or where you know in your family, and uh, and that takes a heavy toll on you too. I mean, you know, we've all come out. Uh, I haven't. You just outed me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, but no, it, it you know, that, that that toll it takes and then to, you know, go years and years and years and just deny yourself. Yeah. Um has to be terrible. So as far as on a personal level is you know, when you, when you have these conversations with people What's your story? I mean, how do you, like, you know, when you are, are, are trying to educate folks, you know, within the gay community, I guess, about, you know, seeing things a little different than, than maybe that they've, they've thought about or, or you know, what, what are your... Th- yeah, so a lot of the times what I'll start with is think about the gender that you're primarily attracted to because for a lot of people, they're only attracted to one gender, right? And I'll say, are you attracted to every single person that you <laughs> that is in that gender, right? Of course not. Well, that right? changes everything. Obviously, <laughs> Frankie not. is. Right. Okay, so maybe some of us, but most of us aren't, right? right. So when we think about bisexuality, pansexuality. Um, even asexuality, right? Like, obviously, we're not attracted to every single person, right? Mm-hmm. And that's no different than being like, ooh, I really like people with beards, or ooh, I really <laughs> like people, you know, who look like this one demographic, or whatever it happens to be for folks. And so I think helping people understand that attraction isn't stable, even within categories like heterosexuality or lesbian or gay, really usually helps open that mind. Right? Amazing. 
Yeah, it's you know, it's a lot of energy that we have to put into you know something that it seems like it could be solved within you know our, our radio time that we, <laughs> I know, yeah, right? we didn't do we didn't solve this we, we made it more complicated we got three minutes to we solve got, it. <laughs> we got more. so um and, and then i guess before we kind of wrap this up you um we could talk about your ted talk a little bit more that's yeah. coming up and i know we talked about it at the beginning of the show but i think um now that people are got to hear you speak and <laughs> you know and now uh, want to hear more from you so the ted talks happening again uh friday august 24th uh at 6 30 it starts at 6 30 it's at buzzkirk Trumley. um there are a lot of other great speakers as well i'm not the only one right. certainly but we don't care about, <laughs> we don't care about you right now <laughs> it's your show yes um and so my talk will focus on uh how the LGBTQ plus community experiences pregnancy, um, both planned and unplanned, and what the what that looks like, and whether or not sexual and reproductive health care is accessible or not. Okay, awesome. How long will you yeah. get to do your spiel? Only six minutes. Yeah, six so minutes. It's, yeah, wow. it's quick. Wow, and then then you roll through. Well, yeah. That's pretty. That's a, a yeah. big honor to to be a part it, of that. It yeah. is. It is. Well, it's um, a great event. Um, we're, we're out of time actually um, but before we go thank you so much Lizzie for, oh, for thank being you for having thank me you. we really appreciate you being here with us tonight and additional thank you to all of our listeners and volunteers who make this possible you've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is blooming O-U-T at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. And I gotta be proud, and I gotta remember this is what I'm about. Gotta stand up.